0: Here on this podcast, I promise to keep it raw and real and hope you find your answers, action, and inspiration as we move through the episodes. Hi, guys. Today, our guest is Lily Morello, and Lily is a food stylist, food photographer, and recipe developer based in San Francisco, California. She's had such an interesting career path. She was actually a math textbook editor and a game designer before she became a food photographer. And you know her USP? Her USP is that she shoots with an iPhone. Uh Aha! She runs her entire food photography business based on iPhone photography. Now, how awesome is that? that and I thought that she would make a wonderful guest for our podcast because hello at the end of the day or rather should I say at the beginning of the day we were all phone photographers that's how most of us started and even today you know sometimes we have a plate of food in front of us at a restaurant or sometimes even for a client we are using our phones as our photography device how wonderful it would be if we had the knowledge to maximize that particular device we all own Phones today and to be able to feel equipped, to feel empowered, and to feel encouraged to be able to use that device to its utmost potential. Now, how cool will that be? And that's why Lily is going to be telling us all about how she's made her whole business around iPhone photography. She works with brands and does collaborations, and she's going to leave us with so much inspiring information that I can't wait to have her here and to get started. Hi Lily and welcome to My Food Lens podcast. It's absolutely wonderful to have you because I've seen your work. I've been connected to you on Instagram for a zillion layers and <laughs> I am in love with your work and I just absolutely have no words to express how I'm always in awe of your styling, how much attention to detail that you have and your skill with phone photography it just blows my mind and i can't wait to have this conversation with you today super duper excited you can sense it in my voice so i'm going to let you talk and why don't you introduce yourself for our audience so they can know who you are where you're based and a little bit about yourself
1: okay thank you so much for having me and for your sweet support of my work it really means so much because i admire your work as well and your storytelling ability you know not a lot of people these days i think on instagram are there to read stories and that's something that i try to share through my work as well and that's really important to me so when i found your account you know not only was there beautiful photography but you tell such great stories about your life with every single photo so you know i'm so glad to meet you face to face and so grateful that you invited me to be a part of your podcast so my name is Lily Morello. My account is Lily Bubble Tea on Instagram, and I'm a freelance food photographer, stylist, recipe developer. Do it all out of my home, as you said, on my phone. Everything's done on my phone. I live in San Francisco, California, with my two dogs and my husband, and it's the sunniest neighborhood in an otherwise really foggy city. I love food and taking pictures of it. And I guess that's why I'm here right now.
0: Amazing. Awesome. And I love San Francisco. I think I've been there once and it was foggy, but it was lovely. (laughs) So (laughs) tell me, uh, Lily, how did you end up in food photography? Like, do you have a journey? Did you transition? Did one thing lead to the other? What was it like?
1: Yeah, so it was a journey, but kind of an accidental journey. So previously, I don't know how much you know about like the sort of tech startup scene. I'm sure there's some of it there in Singapore because I live in San Francisco, you know, I'm sort of right in the hub of it. And my previous full time job before I became a freelancer were in like mobile or Facebook games. It was it used to be Facebook games back when that was a thing. You know, like when people would send you notifications, like asking like your friend to help you water your farm or something like that. I worked on games like that. I worked on art production and story production for that kind of stuff. And the thing about that industry, it's really volatile. It's very hit driven. If your team doesn't produce a hit, people get churned in that industry a lot. And that happened to me a couple of times, and I was at a company that was sort of pivoting away from that because it is a very tough business, and they were pivoting in a different direction, and things were looking sort of grim. And I was kind of just unhappy that my job it wasn't giving me the amount of you know creative energy that I was used to previously when I was you know really heavily working with art production cycles. So I just you know needed a personal project to make sure that my creative juices were still flowing when you know work didn't provide me an outlet for that. So I just started posting pictures on Instagram of my food. I love food. I love to eat. And I was kind of just, you know, taking pictures of my food for fun before that, just to document what I had eaten. I didn't really think very much about the photos, but I started posting them. The account was very small still at the time that I got laid off. For my job. I knew things were looking grim, but you know, I'm, I'm lazy, which you'll learn more about in my later <laughs> answers to your questions probably, but I'm lazy. So I didn't look for a new job. Instead, I was just messing around on Instagram. And when I got laid off, I was like, let me, you know, use this time to sort of recoup myself mentally before I look for a new job. And while I was doing that, I continued to maintain this Instagram account. Next thing I knew, uh, a couple of people reached out to me and said, Hey, like, can we hire you to do a photo shoot for like our cafe or whatever? And I was like, sure. (laughs) I didn't think I was good enough for that at the time. But that's a long answer to your question of how did I get into this professionally? I didn't know that that's the direction I was going. It was kind of just something I was doing for fun. But here we are. And then you just continued and you never went back. Is that right? Yes, that is right. I kind of, you know, decided to give myself time to figure out if I could build a business out of this. And I'm still on that journey to sort of see, you know, how big can I grow this business? But right now I'm happy with where I am and, you know, the amount of work that I get from clients and yeah, I'm still figuring out where I'm going to go from there, I guess. That's amazing. I have such
0: a similar story, to be honest. <laughs> it's And it's so yeah, true I, for I so many too. of <laughs> it's us. <strange. laughs> it's so true for many of us. And I love that you say that you're still building your business. Like, I just love that because we are continuously working, not just on our skill, but also seeing, giving it that one more chance. Let's just see where this takes us. You know, we just keep taking those leaps of faith and just seeing where they take us. And they've taken you so far, Lily, like your work. I can't say it enough. It's amazing. So tell us a little bit more about the restaurants reached out to you and that's how it started. How about today? Like what is typically the nature of the work that you do? And do you work with brands and how much of it is brand work? How much would you say is personal work?
1: Yeah, so... There are sort of three buckets of what I would consider work that like fills my time during the workday. I'm either working on creating content for a client for them to use exclusively on their own social media or website, or I'm creating content as part of like a paid partnership for a sponsored post that then I share on my own Instagram account, or I'm just maintaining the content that's on my Instagram account because. Some of the work I do is what I guess would be called like influencer work. When I'm not doing a paid partnership or client work, I want to make sure I'm still you know, present on my Instagram account. And so I do strategically plan all of my meals. So I have sort of a regular cadence of meals that I plan to photograph and I make sure I cook them on time for good lighting so I could take pictures of them. And you know, it's it's not like it's not paid work, but it's the work that I do with the hopes of getting more connections and getting, you know, future work with clients because the way that I perceive my Instagram account is as my portfolio of my work. And that's obviously how people find my work and how they reach out to me to potentially hire me is from seeing the work that's on my Instagram account yeah, I, I take that work very seriously. I spent a lot of time agonizing over every single Instagram post because of that. I'm
0: sure that's paid off because I've seen your stories and you really labor over, you know, if, even if you're making buns or you're making eggs, they are perfect. That perfection, like that's why I don't say it without reason that your attention to detail is impeccable. There are very few people who have that. And you are definitely one of them. And I'm sure brands notice that all the time. But you know, what's amazing is that has anyone ever asked you about what gear or what device you use for photography? Has any client ever been surprised at what gear you're using?
1: Do they ask even? I think that people are surprised when I tell them I don't think I give them the chance to ask because I'm a really blunt, really honest person, and I want to be really transparent with anybody that I work with. So you know, once they send that email reaching out and saying that they're interested and I realize that this could be, you know it's a product that I like and I know I want to partner with them, I just tell them right away like. Look, this has never been a problem before, but I want you to know I'm doing everything on my phone. I'm not using a real camera of any sort. Like, I just want you to be aware of it. I want to be truthful. And brands have responded really positively to that. They're either surprised or they just don't mind at all. It's never really been an issue
0: fabulous it would never be an issue with me if I was the client (laughs) because your work is that good (laughs) but tell me so so tell us what is the gear that you typically use for your photography
1: yeah so I use an iPhone 10 or iPhone x I'll show it to you right now in case you end up ever using the video (laughs) component of this conversation so it's not even like the newest iPhone <laughs> at like at this point it's like you know many versions back because they don't just have the numbers they have like the x and the xs and all that stuff so you know it's got the two lens instead of the big three lens that's like really cool on the newer phones yeah so it's not even the best one out there but i've gotten used to it i have my process and i'm pretty stubborn and lazy to learn new things so it's what I've been using, not only to shoot, but to edit all of my photos as well. I do it all on the phone. So when you ask, you know, what, what gear do you use? Like, that's it. That's that's
0: it. it. Do you <laughs> that's use a it. tripod? Yeah. How about a tripod?
1: Very rarely. I use like a an arm that like screws to the side of a table. I don't know how to describe it. It's like some sort of mount for my phone that I do use for The very rare occasions that a client specifically says they want like a hands in frame type of shot. That's the only time I'll bust that out because, you know, I'm a one woman show here. Like the hands are going to be my hands, but I also need my hands to like hold the phone most of the time. So that's the only, I guess, other like piece of equipment that I would consider like a real piece of equipment that I use. I very recently bought one of those big like light diffuser things that like the one of those round ones that like pop up and down. I started using that like a month ago because as I track the sun as it changes over the seasons, I you probably don't experience this. You don't have to deal with this as much in Singapore, I know, but the light changes really drastically depending on the time of year and it's a really hard harsh light where I shoot at this time of year. So I did start experimenting with one of those light diffusers so that I could shoot during the day, even if it was a sunny day, because, you know, I can't put all my client work on hold just to like wait for the clouds to move over the sun. So so I had to get an artificial diffuser. Um, But other than that, that's it.
0: Wow. It's incredible. And would you say that it was your stubbornness and your laziness that you didn't switch to a DSLR or what was the reason?
1: Yes, that yes. that's definitely <laughs> it. And I warned you that that would be you know part of the story for many of these questions. Yeah, I I have a DSLR with just a really basic kit lens. I've had it for maybe like ten years. I used to take it with me on vacations and just never really liked the idea of having to like haul around an extra thing. And so, you know, like I was telling you, when I started taking photos, it it wasn't with the plan of there being a professional career down the line. So I just started taking photos on my phone when I started my Instagram account and got into a groove of editing those photos on my phone as well. So I just haven't gotten out of that groove, I suppose. I am considering getting the iPhone 13. My husband has one and I played with it around a little bit. And I think the photo quality is a lot better. So I'm thinking of getting one of those, but no plans to learn how to use a DSLR better anytime soon.
0: <laughs> when you said I'm planning or I'm thinking of getting a new... I thought you were going to say new DSLR, but then it was a new iPhone 13. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Because everybody feels that there is a natural transition from phone to camera, phone to DSLR. You know, I just love that. This is working out so well. And I think it's because of your exceptional skills, really, to make the most out of, you know, the device that you have. But phones have their own limitations. I mean, that is the truth, right? There is a reason why DSLRs are DSLRs and we have lenses of different focal lens and all of that. But you've kind of found your own sweet spot of working and handling the phone lens, right? So mm-hmm whether it causes distortions, the wide lens, like whatever, you work so beautifully with it, right? So can you give us like five photography tips that one could use when they are doing phone photography?
1: I don't know if these will turn into like cohesive tips, but I can tell you things that I've learned, I guess, through my journey. So one tip is obviously natural light. I know everybody says that, but it's really not just natural light it has to be lighting that creates good shadows, creates like a sense of depth, makes the photo look interesting. If you're just taking the picture at noon outside on a sunny day, that's not necessarily going to give you that professional look that you want. So the way that I shoot is I shoot on the ground in my dining room. We have like these sliding glass doors to go to our balcony So that's my light source, but because of the way the room is set up, I wish I could like show you visuals, but unfortunately I don't have any, it's sort of one natural light source coming from one direction. And then, you know, there's not like other windows close by right behind me, like on the wall that's next to me as I'm shooting. And I think having that one direct light source creates interesting shadows in the photo so it's more than just natural light, but it's understanding the direction you want the light to come from. How does it shine on your subject? How does it create shadows? So that would be the first tip that I have, I guess, a very long tip. The second tip is, and I know Android users might not have this functionality, they're trying to get into phone photography. But I use the portrait mode that is a setting on uh, when you take pictures on an iPhone, and that's Basically how I've been faking this like professional, like things in focus, things not being in focus, the portrait mode just fake that for you. And the phone that I have, the iPhone 10, you don't even get to control like the fake like aperture setting. It's just like the one portrait mode. The next phone that came out after mine, I believe you can actually adjust that, like adjust the like f-stop but I can't. So I just deal with like what the phone gives me. And as a result of that, I take lots and lots of photos where like nothing changes in the photo. I'm not even like shifting stuff around in the composition. I'm just taking the same photo over and over again because the phone is like the AI for the phone just decides to do something differently in terms of what gets blurred and what doesn't. And I just roll with it. (laughs) The third tip that I had in dealing with, as you mentioned, lens distortion I did find that with portrait mode, there's less lens distortion than if you just shoot in the regular photo mode on the iPhone, but there is some, and again, it's hard to do this without visuals. I know you're just going to use the audio, but what I found is that, you know, if I have little round holes that are sort of on the periphery of my composition, they get this sort of like weird stretching look because of the lens distortion. And so if you just take a little wad of like a wet, like tissue paper or something and stick it under the edges of the phone. I, I know there's like professional like wedges you can put under the plates and things, but you could also just like crumple up a little piece of paper. And so you prop up the side of the bowl that's on the edge of your photo to avoid as much lens distortion. Like it, it looks weird when you're looking at it in person, but when you shoot it on a phone or any lens with that kind of lens distortion, it helps make the circle look like a flat circle instead of like a weirdly bent circle. Let's see, what other tips do I have? Oh, so it even says in my Instagram account sort of as the title that my content is flat lays and food. And the reason that I shoot flat lays for the most part is because of the limitations of shooting on the iPhone. So the fact that I am not dealing with as much depth of field as I would be in you know, another type of angled shot, that is kind of another way that I'm faking my success as a photographer or as a food stylist, because the more depth of field you have to deal with when you're shooting with a phone, I believe the more obvious it becomes or the, the bigger the difference is in terms of the limitations of an iPhone versus the flexibility that the DSLR provides you. So that's another tip is I think if you're starting out as a phone photographer, you're just experimenting and you want to for success. I would say start with flat lays because removing that extra variable of having to deal with how the phone captures that depth of field will help. Another tip, let's see. I would say just take lots of photos. You know, you don't really learn where your skills are or what your style is until you start taking photos. And that's certainly like how I started. And like I said, that's still how I'm doing things. I'm just taking lots of photos. So you have that opportunity to go back and look at what worked and what didn't work.
0: Awesome. I love your tip about how you minimize distortion. I think that is amazing. And that's why one can't tell from your photos that they are from a phone. I mean, that is something that everybody struggles with. So fabulous are also that you do pay attention to light. I think many times when we are using the phone, we're like, ah, it's so easy. It's so convenient, right? Wherever we are standing, we'll just click. A photo without really paying attention to light or styling or composition. It's just because we are shooting everything nowadays. Anything that's in front of us, we're taking a photo. So I'm so glad that you brought up the whole concept of light because it is the foundation of photography. And whether you shoot with a camera or phone, it's so important. So are you able to tell us a little bit more about how you work with light and whether you use? I know you talked about the diffuser, a large diffuser that you use for harsh light. But is there any like, how about getting a little bit more into the specific times of the day when you shoot or specific lights that you use or anything else that you want to tell us more about how you tackle light with phones?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, light is so huge. And I think it's even more important with an iPhone because An iPhone is very, very temperamental with how it handles light. You're sort of at the mercy of how well it can pick up the light. And, you know, as we know, it's gotten better. But with the phone that I have, it definitely does not handle dim lighting very well. So my life basically revolves entirely around like tracking the sun and making sure that my food is ready to shoot when the lighting is optimal. And um, like I was telling you, for me living in San Francisco, in the Northern Hemisphere, it changes throughout the course of the year. So in the summertime, I would say like maybe two months ago, my ideal time to shoot was like right before sunset. It was still like really bright. And the sun was just at this certain angle that cast exactly the right shadows that I really liked. And it it was perfect at like 6.45 PM. It was great. (laughs) And now it's more like between 3.15 and 4.15 PM. We have daylight savings here in the States as well. So that's part of why there's, that there's such a big shift. But a lot of it is also just the changing of the seasons, the days getting shorter, the angle of the sun being different. I spent a couple of days just like literally sitting and like watching where was the sun like hitting my shooting area at different times of day. And, you know, if you have a diverse number of clients who want different styles and some people want hard light and some people want soft light, maybe it works out or maybe you need to introduce. An artificial light source in order to have more flexibility. But where I'm at right now, I just plan my shoots according to the weather. So if I want to do a shoot with hard light, I'll do it in the morning when the light is like really harsh. If I need a more diffused look, which is the majority of the work that you see on my account, it's either because I've waited in the evening for the sun to be less harsh or it's a cloudy day. Today was a cloudy day. So I was like really productive. I knocked out some like personal ideas as well as a partnership shoot. So it was great because it was cloudy. Why that is important is because clouds are a natural diffuser for the sun. So, you know, a lot of photographers, like I was describing, have that artificial diffuser. You know, it's okay. But I think what works best is when there's the natural diffuser of the clouds going over the sun. So I'm literally like planning my work schedule around like the weather report. And is it going to be a cloudy day or a sunny day?
0: Wow, that's amazing. So light is one part. And then you said that you really take care of the camera angles because you are always shooting flat lay. Like we kind of know that you need to keep your phone parallel as much as possible, whether it's straight on or a flat lay. Is there anything else that you would say that really is a make or break in your phone photography?
1: Yeah. One, one additional thing that I do as I'm taking my photos, like I I do tap on something to focus on it. I usually look for what is the most exposed part of the photo. So again, the way that the iPhone handles a photo, it's not, or handles photo taking and handles light is not the same as a DSLR lens. And it tends to overexpose anything that's white or bright in the scene, which I shoot a lot because I shoot a lot of like poached eggs and (laughs) cheese <laughs> so it happens a lot and i usually just tap that spot that looks overexposed to focus on it and then turn down the exposure i don't know if like a lot of people know this as they're shooting photos on their phone like you don't just click the take photo button like you can tap the screen and you can turn down the exposure so i i do do that i pretty much every time i take the photo and i do notice that it makes a difference it gives the photos more depth you know it's exaggerate those shadows a little bit more that I was talking about before and it prevents things from looking like way too washed out
0: I'm so glad you brought this up because a lot of people actually don't know their phone features (laughs) they Mm -hmm. don't know that you can actually set the focus and exposure in a phone so you can also have a grid on do you use the grid a lot No, no I
1: do not (laughs) <laughs> but
0: but that's your personal choice because you already have sense of the composition, but that is another feature that could be available, right? So I feel mm-hmm. like people not always know the features that they have on their phone and it could be such a game changer for them. But what else is a game changer for you is your styling. I love it. Mm-hmm. Thank <laughs> your you. yeah, It's so that's why I feel like your photography is so different is because irrespective of the fact that you're using a phone, you treat it like we would treat a professional photo shoot. You take care of your light, you take care of your angles and you take care of the details and your styling and composition. And I feel like you put in a lot of effort there. Is that right?
1: It is. Yes. Thank you for, um, Thank you for acknowledging that. Yeah, the way that you described it is absolutely right. I think that I approach my work the way that any food photographer would. And the only difference is that, yeah, I'm doing it all on my phone. But other than that, you know, the styling is the same amount of effort is put into the styling and choosing the backdrops and choosing the props and all that. It's just a different kind of camera for
0: me. And you do a lot of like big compositions, So there is a very important component of storytelling in your photos as well. So whether you're creating a recipe and you're using or you're using a Korean recipe in a Western dish, you know, you have all these fusion and very fun recipes and you always bring that side to your compositions, to your uh, styling. If you're using fresh produce from your garden or you're using flowers, you always bring that side. So are there any like styling techniques that you always fall back on that make your photos so smashing?
1: Yeah, so I think the biggest, in terms of, I'm not sure if this answers your question. It's more about composition. Is that okay? That's okay, yeah. In terms of composition, because I think that that's that's really important because you can have, you know, great props and cool looking dishes, but like you need to have some like basics with composition, right? So the way that I guess I, Sort of have as a default for composition is like if you imagine your photo, you imagine like an X connecting like you know each corner, um, and there's like an X going across. You, I always kind of start with that idea of laying things along those lines that are created by the the X, and that's how I usually set up my composition. So, a lot of my photos will have the main dish in the center of the photo and other things around it. And I try to tell the story of that dish with the things that I put around the photo. The reason being, you know, as much as we love to tell stories in a caption, not everybody is on Instagram to read them. Sometimes they just want to look at the nice photo. So I try to tell the story at least of what went into the photo or the sort of environment that I'm trying to create with that dish, I try to tell that story visually with my styling as well. And so, you know, you you touched on it uh, already, but bringing in like scattered ingredients on the side, bringing in things from my garden, if it's a really, you know, garden fresh, heavy recipe, I try to include just really subtly, like in ways that don't take away from the focus of the main dish. I try to put those on on the side to kind of contribute to, at a glance, the awareness of what are the ingredients that made up this meal.
0: Wow. So there is a lot of depth. We we, we talked about depth in photography. There is a lot of depth in your styling in the sense you can really, your focus always goes to the main hero, the main food. So are there anything that is specific to the phone or you, you know, like you talked about distortion and how you minimize that when you're shooting with a phone. Is there anything in styling that one needs to particularly be careful about when they're doing their compositions and their styling?
1: I'm not sure. Sure. I will say that one drawback to using the phone is if you're shooting in portrait mode and you're using a lot of glass props in your styling, that kind of is not handled very well by the portrait mode on the iPhone. It kind of blurs out things that it's not supposed to. But other than that, I haven't really experienced any specific drawbacks or felt like I've had to do anything differently because I'm shooting with a phone. And that is something that I want to continue to emphasize is that you shouldn't feel withheld by your tools. And if you do feel like you're at a big disadvantage using that tool, that it it might not be the right one for you. Because I don't feel like I'm at a huge disadvantage using the phone. The fact that I can't really offer like any like tips or tricks with styling specifically for the phone is because it is just like styling, you know, as a professional photographer using professional equipment like a DSLR camera. You don't really need to make sacrifices, in my opinion, in terms of what you have to do differently with styling. You want to just approach it with the eye to taking the best photo that you want and telling that visual story that you want to tell.
0: Awesome so you said that you do a lot of your personal work as well, right? You will cook, you shoot, all of that. So how much time do you typically spend on creating a photo? Because people usually have this impression that, oh, you're shooting with a phone, it should be much quicker. And I've been there, I kind of feel it, but the level that you bring, I'm so curious to know how much time does it take for you to create one photo? What's your process?
1: So it's very much dependent on light. Like I was describing to you before, if it's, like I said today I was super productive because it was cloudy the whole day there was great lighting the whole day so you know I woke up early started cooking started prepping my dishes and I was able to shoot whenever I wanted all day What I found with the phone is that the biggest disadvantage is not having control over light So photos will take me longer if the lighting is bad cuz I'm trying to like you know, fit a round peg into a square hole, as they say, where I'm trying to edit to compensate for not liking the lighting at the time that I shot the photo. But under ideal conditions, it's really just a matter of how long it takes for me to cook and then style the dish. And then after that, like the taking of the photos or the the styling, the composition, taking photos, editing, doesn't take as long because the lighting is already good. So how long it takes in terms of is a lot to do with in terms of the complexity of the dish that you're making. I'm sure you know this as well as a food photographer that you know if I'm taking a picture of a piece of toast, toast should not be taking very long to make. Whereas if I'm you know doing some sort of elaborate stew or I'm doing client work where I'm promoting a specific like blend of spices, then it takes a long time to cook the dish. But then obviously the the plating and the photo taking is going to be the same. This is all like a very long answer to tell you it really, really varies. <laughs> it can be as quick as like an hour. Or sometimes I'm like agonizing over the editing for three hours and like not getting anywhere. But those are more rare occasions, fortunately. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it just the the biggest variant is lighting and just how complex it is to cook the dish.
0: Right. So let's talk about editing. Like that's such an important component of a photo. Like it's literally the finishing touch. And a lot of Mm -hmm. people miss that out. And I think that's what takes your photo from good to great right so tell us how do you like are you able to share what application you use and how do you usually edit your photos if you have a process or any hacks that you would like to tell us
1: yeah so um, I'll walk through the apps that I usually use first so Visco is the app that I use the most for editing There's nothing special about it. Like, it's obviously not as good as Lightroom. I just like, again, it was too lazy to learn how to use Lightroom. Um, So I started editing with Visco just when I was shooting very casually when I was starting my account. And it's worked well for me to this point. I feel like I have pretty good control over editing within that app. So I have just stuck with it. I... I've kept everything on my phone, again, for convenience. The other app that I use that, unfortunately, Adobe discontinued. It's not available for download anymore. But it was a free app called Photoshop Mix. And that's what I use to cut things into layers. Much like you would do with Photoshop. It's kind of like an express version of that that was free for the iPhone. So if I need to separate the dish that's in the foreground from the backdrop because I want to desaturate just the backdrop more than the rest of the photo, then I'll you know, cut those pieces apart using Photoshop Mix, which is an app that's not available anymore. And the third app that I use pretty infrequently, but every once in a while is Snapseed, which I believe was released by Google. There's a healing tool within that app that just erases blemishes. And there's a little bit more flexibility with correcting distortion there with like their perspective tools. So for those two tools within Snapseed, if I need to, that's the app I'll use. But for the most part, in terms of, you know, changing brightness, adding contrast, sharpness, all of that stuff, I do that all through Visco.
0: Wow. I've never used Visco, but I use Snapseed a lot. I do all my editing on Lightroom on the computer. But if I do have mm-hmm. a little bit, Snapseed is usually my go to. And I know a lot of folks use Visco, but it looks like that's the power
1: app. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I actually like, I think Visco is known for their filters. Yes. I don't really use their filters, so I don't. I don't think I'm using the app for its like intended use. I'm not a Visco girl, but <laughs> in the like filters sense. But I don't know. I I, just, I found it useful for my edits.
0: It, I guess <laughs> it, it also depends on your process, like which application fits your process of editing or which can meet your vision. I guess that's how mm-hmm. you kind of choose which app works best for you, right?
1: I think it's it's just based on my needs because I use each app for like a different function. So if I don't need to, you know, cut pieces apart to isolate different sections, then I'm not going to use the other app or if I don't have blemishes that I need to erase, I'm not going to use the other, those other apps from the majority of my photos. Like I just use Disco, and it's to adjust the brightness, the contrast through like the temperature and, and that sort of thing.
0: Cool. And so, over time, like in after all these years of kind of having a process for yourself in place, have you kind of developed shortcuts that you've created for yourself that has come through your years of experience?
1: So one advantage of using Disco as an editing app is that you can copy and paste the whole series of edits that you've made from one photo and paste them to another photo. So that's been a huge shortcut for me. Every like, I don't use like presets. I don't have my own presets because every single photo seems to require different edits, depending on the lighting, as I mentioned before, and like what colors I want to really like boost in the photo. But it does help get started with the editing process. If I can copy a photo with, where I use the same backdrop, where I shot it at like a similar time of day and I paste it into my new photo... And I guess something that I should mention about my process is I'm kind of editing on the fly as I'm shooting, because there is such a big difference between what the photo looks like when you first shoot it on your camera phone versus what I'm willing to post on Instagram. I edit as I go by using this shortcut in Visco of copying and pasting edits, just to make sure like I'm on the right track, just to make sure like this backdrop looks good with the colors that are in the dish. That i'm shooting for example i'll edit at least partially along the way as i'm shooting and there have been instances where i've you know swapped out a backdrop or swapped out the color of a plate and had to replate the whole dish because it, it just doesn't look like it's working but going back to your question about what are some shortcuts that i can offer to others who are trying to get started with this let's see <laughs> what are some shortcuts i think Getting into compositions that you feel like you can be successful with. Because when I first started, I thought that variety was important. Like I said before, I use my page as... Or I view my page as a sort of a work portfolio. And I thought that that meant it was really important for me to show range. And I'm not saying that it's not important... But what I found for myself is that setting myself up for success, setting myself up for having a really distinct style so that people can see my work out in the wild, see it get reposted on like a really big, you know, food publishers account and being able to recognize that it's mine. I think is more important than rushing or forcing yourself into showing range when you don't find joy in certain styles of photos or building certain types of compositions, And so I would say if you start to develop your own personal style and you start to realize what brings you success, that ends up being a shortcut because you know, it shouldn't be a crutch that you lean on all the time. But at the same time, understanding yourself, understanding what you're successful with will make things more efficient down the line.
0: It's amazing that you bring up this whole idea of Seeing your work, you know, you have a vision for where you would like to see your work. Is -hmm. there any time that you felt like held back by your gear?
1: Not necessarily held back in terms of like reaching my dreams, but it's definitely held me back in terms of efficiency. If things take too long for me to cook in the kitchen, you know, if things aren't going my way because the herbs aren't crisp enough or something like that, and I run into obstacles that then push my time of day that I'm shooting later in the day, I have had to just scrap shoots entirely and start over because the lighting was poor. And it's because, you know, I'm not working with an artificial light source I can control. But more importantly, it's because I am shooting on my phone. And the phone just doesn't handle lower light conditions as well as a DSLR would. So in that regard, like you know, I've set myself back just not being a very good time manager or not planning for mishaps or accidents. But in terms of getting work, in terms of connecting with potential clients, the only other instance that it held me back is there was one client who wanted to potentially use the work for like a print type thing. They were gonna, I don't know run like print ads in magazines or something. Like, I kind of think print is dead anyway but um, that was the one, one instance that held me back because I was just again really blunt and honest with them I've never seen my work in print before I've never tried printing my work before I don't know what it's going to look like so I can't guarantee that And this is true with anything where you're converting a digital photo to print. You you just don't know whether it's going to look the same, whether the colors are going to carry through as well. So I lost, I guess, a potential opportunity there. But for the most part, people are looking at my work on social media because they want someone who can create content for them on social media. So every single instance, where i have you know confessed to potential clients that i only shoot on my phone it's never been a setback they've always been totally okay with it because they're looking for content for social media and they like what they see on my social media account so they're okay with the equipment that i use
0: fantastic that's so encouraging for anyone who uses a phone right now so tell me who would you say phone photography is for like is there a category of people who should think about who can continue to use a phone for photography? Or what are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I would say like still life food photographers. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, that's kind of the whole point of this conversation, right? Is Because I think that the phone works great for people who are looking to shoot flat lays like mine, subjects where there's not a lot of motion because the phone doesn't handle, you know, you can't control the motion blur as well on the phone as you can with the DSLR. You can't adjust the shutter speed or anything like that. So I would recommend it to people who are shooting subjects up close that don't move. Uh, And food's great for that. For the most part, if you're trying to shoot like splashes or drip shots or cheese pulls, It is a little bit trickier with the phone. I wouldn't say that you're necessarily setting yourself up for the best success if that's the style, the really sort of motion forward style that you want to present as your food photography style. The phone's not going to be the best fit for you. And similarly, anything that is a very dynamic subject like kids playing, sports photography, wildlife photography, phone's probably not going to be your best bet. But I would definitely, definitely encourage people who are interested in getting into food photography, don't feel like you have to have all this fancy equipment to start out, start with your phone and see if it's the right fit for you.
0: And would you encourage them to even reach out to brands and not feel like that phone is holding them back? Like, would you say that that they should not feel limited by... The gear and they should feel free to reach out to their dream brands and be open and honest about it. Do you think that's something you would advise?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at least from my personal experience, I've been able to have success with that. And the fact that people are always appreciative of that honesty and the fact that a lot of marketing and advertising is done digitally and is done through social media, I don't think that people who want to work with food and beverage brands specifically and market their food photography as, you know, a service to those brands. I do not think that working with only your phone should hold you back from that.
0: So I have one last question for you, Lily, and if you've kind of answered it, but if there's anything more you would like to add. So basically for anyone who uses phone as their primary device, how do they grow as a photographer? How do you continue to improve yourself? Because when we use a DSLR, we are using new cameras, new lenses, and we're trying, you know, different kinds of gear. But how would you say that someone can grow as a photographer and improve their skills?
1: Yeah, I would say focus on yourself as a photographer, as opposed to worrying about the equipment you have once you understand you know, you know what tools are available for you on your phone. You know what settings you should be shooting on and your editing style. The only thing that you really have control over is yourself and your comfort level and how you want to develop your style. So I think that that's where a phone photographer can improve is once you've had your set style, continue to experiment with what other compositions you know still work within that style. Think about what types of props you're using and do they help you tell the story that you want to tell as well as like backdrops, as well as challenging yourself to create different types of moods, which is something you absolutely can through phone photography. So yeah, it's, it's less about the equipment and, you know, there's not going to be a bunch of gear that you're going to be able to buy for your phone to make it a better tool, but you can always work on making yourself a better photographer.
0: Fabulous. I think that is such good advice because there is so much that goes into creating a photo other than just your device. And you talked about all of those. So thank you so much, Lily, for sharing this. This is amazing because most of us start our journey with a phone. Most of us continue to shoot with a phone. Every time we are at a restaurant, we go click and, you know, we're taking photos (laughs) of whatever we eat, even if it's a cup of tea or (laughs) it's a glass of wine, we're constantly shooting and just keeping these things in mind and thinking that you can create mind blowing photos with a phone. I think, you are such a great example of that. And I'm so glad to have you to have had this conversation with you, because I think you're going to inspire so many of our listeners. So thank you so much. But before you go, can you tell us where we can find you on social media, your website, and all the fun stuff that is associated with Lily?
1: Sure. Um, Yeah. So the best way to find me is on Instagram at lily bubble tea all one word my account is not about bubble tea i just really like bubble tea and i think it kind of conveys a little bit about my personality too so all one word lily bubble tea on instagram my website is lilymorello.com so just my first name and last name.com. but yeah instagram will be the best place to connect with me
0: Amazing. Thanks again, Lily, for making the time for uh, sharing so much good information with our listeners. It was an absolute pleasure to meet you virtually. And I can't wait to get this episode back to our audience. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Like, I told you before, I'd never listened to podcasts. So this is actually my... I'm going to listen to this one for sure. So that'll be my first experience listening to a podcast. Um, And so I'm really, really grateful that you've invited me to be a part of it. Thank you so much.
0: So that was Lily and she was amazing. I'm not kidding. I'm such a big fan of Lily. And every time I look at her photos, I can see the amount of hard work that she puts in in just manipulating light or her editing or her styling. And there is no way that she does anything differently than one would do while using a DSLR. She has made the iPhone a magical device. Like she knocks out photos like anything. So go check out her Instagram account. Give her a follow because she's amazing and I'm a huge fan of her work as well. But guys, I hope you found this episode useful because iPhones or phones are everything for us nowadays. Everybody has a phone and everybody's taking pictures from a phone. So use her tips, use her advice. And don't let it hold you back the next time you have a dream or a vision for your photography. With that, I'm going to take your leave. And if you have any questions about phone photography, please feel free to reach out to Lily on Instagram. Or I'm happy to answer your questions. Send them out to me via email. And I will see you soon with another Power packed episode. Until then, bye-bye.